1: That never gets old. The Kirby Puckett home run. One of the best calls in the history of sports and one of the best moments in the life of any sports fan of Minnesota teams. And something that was played for us on Saturday night at the end of the Gophers getting destroyed by Michigan on national TV, the latest biggest game for Gopher fans of their lives, and it was played because it was reminding Minnesota sports fans, basically, well, you've had a moment or two in your lives, but not for 29 years. They played the Stefan Diggs Minneapolis miracle, and uh, it was. I just thought it was an interesting thing for for if you're if you're still hanging in there in a 56 to 30 whatever loss to Michigan. You, you Not just as a Gopher fan, but as a Minnesota sports fan, you're going, yeah, that was cool. Oh, wait a second. I think they're mocking us. Uh, it's not a great time to be a Minnesota sports fan. The, the Twins have lost 18 playoff games in a row. Gophers get destroyed by Michigan, although they seem to be uh, the state's best hope, the market's best hope, but not after Saturday. And then there's the Vikings, who are a dumpster fire and started their fire sale uh, with the trading of defensive end, in Ngakwe, but it leads to the bigger discussion of quarterbacks and what to do about Cousins and if we want Trey Lance or Justin Fields. And that's where we will start on a special Halloween edition of Nobody's Listening Anyway. I'm John Gaskins. Matt Zimmer is in Wyoming. We will be at the Gateway Lounge a little later with Curtis Riggs for a lot of bringing brains to our football operation and conversation. Zim and I are going to argue about the relevance of Halloween as an adult, and if it should be celebrated, and also our contrast in the vehicles we now own, because Zimmer owns
0: a new one. By the way,
1: why are you in Wyoming again?
0: Long story boring, visiting my mom, let put it that way. Okay, uh,
1: hopefully back next week, and hopefully the audio is acceptable for people to listen to. All right. Um Let's start with this, since it's very germane to the Sioux Falls and Dakotas sports market connecting all the Vikings fans uh, with this topic. L- let's just get past the desire for Kirk Cousins. Nobody really wants Kirk Cousins anymore as the Minnesota Vikings quarterback. He's expensive. He's hard to take off the payroll. It's a huge cap hit after this season and even after next season. But let's just say there, there are options out there where it's the point of no return. You've got to get a new quarterback. And David Carr, NFL Network, suggested a trade for Sam Darnold because the Jets want to get rid of him because we know the Jets are going to go get Trevor Lawrence with that first pick because no one disputes they're going to get the number one pick. They're owing whatever right now. Um, I don't like that. I want, for the Vikings, a mobile quarterback that can make plays, make up for a bad offensive line when plays break down, arm and feet, a la the best quarterbacks in the game right now. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. Justin Fields and Trey Lance fall into those two categories, Zim. Do you agree it should be down to those two, and if so, which?
0: Oh, I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to uh, to be in position to acquire a quarterback in the first round of the draft, and I think the Vikings might be in that position, probably will be in that position. But, you know, we never really know. I mean, we've talked about this over and over. You know, Kirk Cousins made his career in Washington he was the second quarterback picked by his team in that draft, you know. And um, the list of first-round busts is obviously a long one. The Vikings have had a few. You know, they reached to get Christian Ponder a few years ago, um, you know, hit one with Dante Culpepper uh, a few years prior to that. Uh, you just, I, I just don't look at any of these guys, no matter how much of a slam dunk they're supposed to be, as an actual slam dunk. You know, I don't, I don't know if they're ever, with a couple exceptions, you know, Andrew Luck, when he came out, it was kind of like, yeah, this guy's so good. We know he's gonna, he's gonna translate, and he did. Aaron Rodgers, a few other ones, but there's no guarantee that Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or any of these guys are are gonna be the guy. You know, Sam Darnold, I, you can get him for nothing, sure, but he hasn't impressed me a whole lot yet. I don't think he's terrible necessarily. Um, Baker Mayfield, you know, one minute everyone's saying he's, he's the guy who's going to turn around in Cleveland. Then everyone jumps off the bandwagon. Then he throws five t- touchdown passes. Everyone's back on the bandwagon. I mean, I'd love to give you this definitive answer, like, yes, this is what I want to do, or yes, this is what they should do. But you just don't know. And frankly, uh, the one that surprises, that's intriguing to me, but also surprises me a lot, is Trey Lance. Like, I was genuinely surprised when, you know, the NFL analysts started talking about him as a number one draft pick already. And it's still kind of surprising to me. Um, he's played played it at the F season. Didn't throw a single interception as a freshman. Went 15 and 0 with the best team in FCS football. Has the tools, obviously, but one season at a lower level of college football, and we're already ready to declare this guy a first round talent. That's really surprising to me. I'm not anti Trey Lance. I'm just like far from sold. I mean, if the Vikings were to somehow land him. I'd sure be intrigued and excited and optimistic and hopeful and all that stuff. But I'd definitely not be like, Oh, this, you know, no questions asked. This is a guy slam dunk. He's going to, you know, be the quarterback for the next 10, 12 years. And they're going to win a couple who knows? I mean, he didn't look that good necessarily in the one game he played this year. That was supposed to be sort of his, uh, you know, dress rehearsal for the NFL draft scouts and everything. So <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. And the fact that, like I said, or like you said, Kirk Cousins is essentially unreleasable. I mean, the cap hit is so enormous. They're stuck with him for a couple of years anyway. You know, it's just a question of do you kind of sort of make room for two quarterbacks and groom one of them or, or let Cousins sit there and make 30, 40 million as a backup? I don't know. Um, these are all really difficult questions that... <laughs> they're forced to face because of the mistakes that they made in committing to Kirk Cousins.
1: Yeah. We're we're having this conversation in the prism of Cousins is not the future anymore. And let's get a quarterback right now, unless you want to wait and see what the best of the 2021 draft class has to offer next year. And Cousins is expensive. That's why David Carr suggests the trade. I don't know if any team would want Kirk Cousins because again, why would the Vikings? Uh, This is the NFL in 2020 offensive line play is just not very good. The defensive players, front seven especially, are 250 to 300 pound machines, refrigerators, muscle, no fat, coming at you like boulders down a mountain, you need to escape and make plays with your feet, and again, that, that, make, that, that makes Sam Darnold not too attractive to me, he's not quite the statue Cousins is, uh, and it's hard to gauge how valuable he is, considering he's probably playing for the worst football operation on the planet, and they've totally right. screwed him up. Um, and you're right, it's always a crapshoot. Uh, the the other discussion we could have in a few minutes is if Rick Spielman should be the Vikings general manager making the decision on the quarterback of the future. Go ahead and let him continue the fire sale and trade Rudolph and trade Harris and trade Reeves so you can get stuff and picks yeah. and stock up and get something for those guys before their contracts are done after the year and you get nothing back for them. Uh, and we understand the Vikings are in a bit of an overhaul right now, and maybe, it's, uh, maybe Christian Ponder... Uh, Josh Freeman, Teddy Bridgewater, that's enough. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, a lot of people thought it was a good pick. But we don't know if we can trust Rick anymore with quarterback decisions. But let's stick with, I want to stick on Trey Lance and Justin Fields, because, again, you're not getting Lawrence. And Fields and Lance are both top ten picks. We can sit here and say, of course it's a crapshoot. We have no idea if they'll pan out like Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or like some of the failures or questionables you have mentioned. But... They're both, according to the draft prospects, top 10 guys. And there's, you know, there's, there's knocks against them just historically, either way you put it. Justin Fields played for Ohio State. He's got great blocking, and he's just got an NFL team everywhere. He's got the top four personnel in college football. It's like an NFL team. How does that translate? Big-time quarterbacks in the NFL, the best ones today, the modern game. Did any of these guys play for top five, top 10 Operations in college? No. Russell Wilson played at North Carolina State in Wisconsin. Aaron Rodgers at Cal. Drew Brees at Purdue. Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. Lamar Jackson at Louisville. He covered up all their mistakes. Uh, Josh Allen, really good right now. Wyoming, uh, on and on. Matt Ryan, uh, Boston College. Only Tom Brady, and that was 20 years ago at Michigan, was a like big time uh, yeah. Huge college quarterback. You, it, it, there's something to be said for when you're in college, not playing for an absolute FBS p- top power five powerhouse. That you have to overcome things in college around you. That's not perfect to where the NFL won't be as big of a grind or you know big sk- cold douse of water reality when you get there. But I don't know if Trey Lance. You mentioned the experience, and that's something I, I'll get into and compare others to in a moment. How long they spent in college before. They even were deciding they were ready for the NFL. But it's hard to gauge at North Dakota State because you watch Dallas Goddard. You knew coming out of Britain, South Dakota, that guy's an NFL star, but nobody else in the college recruiting ranks, including SDSU at first, knew it in Division One. And it's like, yes, he played against FCS competition, and look at him be a bona fide NFL player right now. That could be Trey Lance. That could. He didn't, but the deal is, is he didn't play at Ohio State, and he didn't play at Clemson, but he did play at the absolute best, most dominant team in his division as well. To where right. you, you do have to kind of fortify or modify the, 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 the statistical talking points of 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and sky-high quarterback rating and run-pass run threat with he had superb blocking. Uh, he had probably the best defense in the country. The best defensive player last year, Jabril Cox, is now playing at LSU. I mean, so it's just kind of hard to gauge how well he'll be able to make the NFL transition. But, again, just about every service has him as a top ten guy. Some even have him ahead of Justin Fields.
0: Boy, I don't know. I mean, I think your comparisons with Fields and some of the bigger school and not such bigger school guys is a good one. I mean, it's, it's worth noting that so many of these quarterbacks that became great uh, when they were in college, you know, kind of had to carry the entire load. Um, I mean, there's some other examples. You know, Peyton Manning went to Tennessee when they were very good.
1: 23 years uh, Cam,
2: ago.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay, Cam Newton out of Clemson. You know, I mean, it's not like Fair. you don't trust any Auburn. quarterback from a big program. But I still think, yeah, Auburn, thanks. Um, but I, I still th- think it's a, a valid point that you're making, and it, and it makes me, you know, give pause to a guy like Justin Fields. But again, you know, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, there's some other ones in, in uh, more recently that look like they can do it. And as far as Trey Lance, I, I, I the last thing I want anyone to think is that I'm like, Anti-Trey Lance, you know, I was one of the few people I thought who, when Carson Wentz was coming out of North Dakota State, was like, yeah, he's he is that good. Like, I know it's North Dakota State, and I know he doesn't necessarily, isn't what you envision as a, a top three pick in the NFL, but you could see that there was an awful lot there regardless of the competition that he was playing against, and I think he's been kind of hit or miss so far. You know, he played like an MVP his first year as a starter. Lately, there have been a lot of questions if maybe he isn't that good after all, but the Eagles stink all around him. It's complicated. Well, he, he, as, far as, well he, as far as Trey Lance, I yeah. mean, athleticism is, is not in doubt. I mean, clearly the guy can run, can make plays. He has that, that uh, escapability and out-of-the-pocket. The, the, the thing that we're talking about that Kirk Cousins doesn't have, that so many uh, is kind of becoming almost a, a necessity for an NFL quarterback now. But like you said, um, playing at North Dakota State, covers up a lot of, makes your make job a lot easier. Would we be talking about Trey Lance after one year of college football as a first as a, a draft pick at all, let alone, a, let alone a first round draft pick, if he was at Southern Illinois or you and I? You know, I, I don't think there's any way that we would be. Um, so I, again, it's not that I, I don't like the guy or that I, I doubt him or don't want the Vikings to get him, but I just think he's wildly unproven. I think he's a huge, huge wild card. And, you know, whichever team pulls the trigger and drafts that guy they got a lot of nuts to do that i mean that's that's a big time risk in my opinion just because he's played so little football above the high school level
1: yeah 16 games and again the eye test is there He is the exact kind of quarterback the Vikings need, and basically that you need to be successful in the NFL as an offensive unit. I mean, the Seahawks have, we saw it last night in a Sunday game, they have a trash defense, and it finally caught up with them. And the Cardinals are, by a flout, flawed outfit as well, but they're 5-2, and two. the CX are now 6-1, and one. they have quarterbacks who can escape pressure, so this is the mold, this is the right mold for the Vikings, I think it really should come down to Fields or Lance, and we're breaking down Lance because we're Dakota's guys, and we've got Dakota's listeners, and a lot of them want to pump their chests out and go, FCS, He's, let's face it, a lot of people from around here, it's weird, this hatred the two schools have for each other, NDSU and SDSU, but the common bond, uh, mm-hmm. Formed with sticking up for your Dakotas FCS guys and so many Vikings fans, I seem to see on Twitter that you and I know in our sports media or people who follow both of us uh, constantly and and weigh in. They they are they all want Trey Lance because they you know they're just cheering for the FCS guy. Great and uh, like from Minnesota too. Mean, there you go. He's, yes, there, all, all the the orgasms that uh, Vikings fans with the possible Trey Lance to Adam Thielen connection. The you know division two well division two slash FCS you know Minnesota white small town connection I almost said white guys <laughs> whoops <laughs> not quite uh, anyway so we'll we'll stay with that because I want I want to get to just going back to some of the best NFL quarterbacks today and again Trey Lance I think is I, I think is halfway making the right decision by deciding I, I I don't need any more college I'm ready to go to the NFL if you have so many draft experts. And scouts in the NFL telling you, you're ready. And you have so many draft boards. You know, so and yeah, there's nowhere
0: ready. to go but down. There's nowhere to go but down. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah.
1: just go. I get it. Yeah. Um, I think he'd be, but I, and that's, and I would do the same thing he would do, although he might be better served to do what Jabril Cox is doing and just go to the SEC, go to major Power 5 football, and just do that for a season before you go to the NFL. I get Cox but probably wouldn't. Think- but, huh? if you
0: stink, then you're, but if you stink, if you do that and you yeah. don't perform, yeah. then you're not a first-round draft pick. If right. he comes out now, he's a first-round pick. I, I, I get mean, all
1: that with your draft capital. But yeah. uh, with how good you could be in the NFL, maybe you need to play kind of, I mean, That's a, separate you know, argument. Yeah. A, a level up before you get to the NFL. Now, having said that, just look at, again, uh, the guys, his peers in the top 10 of this class, Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be number one. He's, played, he's going to end up having played three years at Clemson, you know, highest level in some national title games and playoff games. Justin Fields will have two full years under his belt, and he, was, and he played at Georgia before he transferred to Ohio State uh, and was a backup and got some action there. Russell Wilson played 11 or more games for four years at NC State in Wisconsin. He was a three-year starter. Patrick Mahomes, two full seasons before he went early out of Texas Tech. Uh, even uh, going back to Brady and Rodgers, they both had two full seasons at Michigan and Cal. So I, I, unless I'm leaving somebody out, you don't see very many modern-day precedents of quarterbacks at any school, at any level in college who just played 16 games and are making it in the NFL. Not to say he couldn't be the first and he couldn't be great, but my goodness, uh, he he, mu- he must be better than these guys if if enough NFL scouts... And draft experts think after one year at North Dakota State against FCS competition, he he must be that much better than Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields because those guys weren't good enough or certainly decided not to leave after year number one. Anything else to
0: add? Uh, well, I mean, Joe Burrow I think was only a one-year starter. But and I he, know, by the way, he was
1: at LSU, uh, so that and he's doing he's he's he looks great for a terrible team right now. He does. So, Power Five national not, champion had all the help around him in only right, right. one year. Go still on. not
0: the same kind of comparison. There, yeah. there probably been some other guys that were essentially one-year starters, but but obviously not at you know a North Dakota State and and it, you know even those guys that were one-year starters probably had one or two or three years as an apprentice, you know, as a backup to a veteran quarterback, which he only had one year of that. So. I don't know. I mean, like I said, the reason he's getting, uh, that he's seen as a number one draft pick obviously isn't because of his uh, experience or where where he's been playing, who he's been playing against. It's strictly the measurables. He's got the athleticism. They like what they see from his arm. You know, even the stats, I think, are probably not that big of a part of it because of who they're playing and who he plays for. You know, you could play quarterback for North Dakota State right now and probably put up (laughs) relatively decent numbers. I don't think you'd go 28 touchdowns, no interceptions, um, but they make it pretty easy on you. So they must like it. And those, you know, that's what those people do for a living. It's not like they never get it wrong. They obviously get it wrong a lot, Um, but you know, he's, he's doing the right thing because if you have a chance to go in the first round, you take it. I just, like I said, whoever, whoever ends up taking him, they're taking a big risk. And I honestly, I respect whoever it is that takes him. They're putting their job on the line by using a first-round draft pick on a quarterback from an FCS level that's only played 16 games above the high school level of football. That's that's something. Yeah,
1: 30 touchdowns, one interception, 9.5 yards per attempt, by the way. That means he gets the ball down the damn field. Now, again, you sprinkle everything with he plays at North Dakota State. He gets time to throw the ball down the field, but he sure as hell can. He averages 6.5 yards a carry. Justin Fields has similar numbers. I can't tell you the answer between those two. I think they're both better options than Kirk Cousins. And you know you're not going to have to pay him what you've been paying Kirk Cousins because uh, obviously they'll be on rookie contracts. And by the way, Carson Wentz, just to tie that back together, because he's somewhat, I guess, because same school. Uh, I think if it weren't for Carson Wentz, Trey Lance wouldn't be a top ten prospect. Just because we've seen it, okay, you can go from North Dakota State and you can thrive in the NFL. He was having a yeah, ball-line MVP rookie season right away. Now he played a couple, he played a couple full seasons, if not three at North Dakota State. There's a difference there, but he's nine yards attempt. Oh, 42 games. He played three seasons. Got the ball down the field. 45 touchdowns to 14 interceptions, so he threw more picks than Trey Lance. He had two NFL linemen in front of him during his time. I looked that up. Two drafted NFL linemen, one guy in the third round in 2014, one guy in the fifth round in 2016. Um, So, I mean, he did have a couple NFL linemen blocking for him, but it wasn't like the spoil of riches you would have at Ohio State or LSU or Clemson. And I think Carson Wentz is a top-12 NFL quarterback. He has had so many injuries, both to himself and the rest of the team. The Eagles still made the playoffs at 9-7 and seven the last two years. They won a horrible division last year. But, um, they, they, you know, and sometimes he was the quarterback and sometimes he wasn't. But he's throwing to nobody. And, he's got, and he just hasn't had consistent lines. That team's just been battered to the point where you can't tell how good Wentz is. Curtis Riggs, who will be with us in, I don't know, another 15, 20 minutes here on this podcast, has obviously kept a close eye on both Wentz and Lance at NDSU, and then of course with Wentz and the pros, and he thinks Carson Wentz might end up being a really solid backup NFL quarterback in two or three years. He's not totally sold on Carson Wentz's future, but but again, when it comes back to the Minnesota Vikings, let's drive it back there. Uh, Wow. Um, It... I'll, I'll 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 bring up the question I asked this whole thing coming back to the team and the start of its fire sale the start of the acknowledgement that 2020 is a lost season uh, should Rick Spielman be the guy making this decision, Zim?
0: Um, well, I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do you fire him like now or after the season? Do you sort of after the let him? Yeah, okay. I, I don't See, mind him going, I
1: mean, I go ahead and I trust him to, to make the right moves and find the right homes for Kyle Rudolph, Anthony Harris, and Riley Reef. I don't think we disagree that all three of those guys should go because they, they aren't going to be coming okay. back well, the Vikings gonna are going to afford
0: them. Okay, so I just, just so we're clear, you're not saying necessarily fire Rick Spielman right now. Not but right fire now.
1: Rick, no, but yeah. should he be entrusted? I mean, he's been there for like 10 years making the decisions, 14 years overall and 10 years since Brad Shills was fired as being the main personnel decider. He's got, you know... At just a quarterback alone, a shaky history. Again, Ponder, Castle, Freeman, Teddy, Bradford, Keenum. Uh, and then his offensive line, obviously, those have been misses. And he's had some great draft picks as well, especially defensively yeah. with Mike Zimmer in his ear.
0: He's not bad. Even the quarterback situation, some of those moves, you could give him credit for Sure. Case Keenum signing that, you know, he got a fantastic year out of Case Keenum and then got rid of him at the right time. You know, didn't commit to him beyond one year. Mm. I think that's a win in Spielman's book. Uh, Sam Bradford played well when he was healthy. He was just never healthy. You know, he made the best of what he could when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. You know, I I think Sam Bradford, you could even say was a win in that situation. Um, you know, Bridgewater looks like he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. It didn't work out in Minnesota because of the injuries, but hard to blame that one on Rick. Um, you know, obviously the Kirk Cousins contract and the Christian Ponder draft pick are major, major red red marks against um, his performance. So it's hard to say. And you know, it's, it's weird. I've always felt as a Viking fan that I think Spielman, for the most part, has been a good GM, uh, certainly above average, maybe even well above average, because year after year after year, the Vikings usually have one of the more talented rosters in the NFL. That is usually sort of a consensus within the NFL these last few years, that look at this roster, it's really talented. And then I also think Mike Zimmer's a really good coach. Well, if you've got a really great roster, your GM's putting together a really great roster, and you've got a really great coach, you should be winning Super Bowls. And they're not doing that. They haven't even played in one yet. So maybe one of those two guys isn't as good as we think they are, or, or I don't know what if, what, how you necessarily explain that, um, but it's getting harder and harder, I think, at this point to say, regardless of how well these guys have done or how good they are at their job, that no, we, we shouldn't bring in someone else. It isn't time to try something different. Uh, you know, as Mick said on last week's podcast, you know, you don't bring in a new coach because he's going to have some different schemes or X's and O's or whatever, or even because of his track record necessarily. You do it because they're not listening to the current guy anymore. And it's time for a new voice. It's time for, you know, a new message. Well, you know, it, it's hard to, to argue with someone at this point who would say, you know, it's time for a new voice, both in the front office and on the sidelines. I mean, I, like I said, I like Rick Spielman. I like, I like Mike Zimmer. I'm not going to celebrate either one of them being fired, but I'm not going to feel terrible about it either. Yeah,
1: it has a very Ron Garden, hire and Terry Ryan feel to it. Gave you a lot of good years, really good, probably not bad enough to get fired, but mm-hmm. after, after a certain number of years, you haven't, you haven't hit the highest level and it's just not working out anymore. And Mike Zimmer's seventh in the NFL and wins. The Vikings are seventh in NFL wins since he took over. Uh, but again, does it have the feel, uh, does it feel like they've given him enough time? And now the window is closed on that first run of all his early picks and of all the big moves that they made, the win now moves like Sam Bradford and then Kirk Cousins. It's it's shut, they admitted that with this, uh, with this Ngakwe trade this past week. Yeah. So we'll see. That's enough Vikings. It's nobody's listening anyway. John Gaskins, Matt Zimmer. We'll Zoom chat today. And then Curtis Riggs joins us at the Gateway Lounge a little bit later. And we'll do a lot more NFL and his thoughts on Lance and how he would make a Vikings and NFL quarterback in a bit. Uh, And by by the way, Bo Pelini, Nebraska, another classic example. Seven years, nine and four seasons, never won a title, got blown out in big games. It was time. It was enough. Um, All right. Let's go to the... World Series, since I know you watched a little bit more of that than the Gophers, and I know Curtis spent a lot of time Saturday watching the Huskers and the Gophers. We have a lot of fans of both teams, so that will be part of the Curtis Riggs Mm -hmm. conversation in the back end of this podcast this week. Uh, Matt, the the World Series, um, (laughs) it, it, it takes a lot beyond just watching the Twins and following them because I've had to for my job to get me really going with watching a lot of Major League Baseball, and, and really enjoying the crap out of it. Um, and this is from a guy who spent 40 games working for the Sioux Falls Canaries this summer, but mostly drinking beer and talking to people and just in, enjoying being outdoors. Uh, these World Series, in, in the modern-day baseball where it's all analytics, it's all launch angle, it's a bunch of home runs, both of these teams, aggressive base running, cat-and-mouse games, I mean the, just the style of how th- things have happened both with the Rays and Dodgers the way they've been winning games has been refreshing and da- I can't remember a more entertaining World Series in a long time but I haven't been t- paying nearly as close of attention as you.
0: Yeah the games have been really good and I haven't seen every second of every game although I did watch the entirety of last night's game. Um, it, <laughs> the Rays tried to steal home straight steal of home uh, after the same guy had stole second and third. I mean it was uh Um, Like you said, that is kind of fun to see, but the Rays are like the number one, you know, most committed to analytics and and sabermetrics and all that stuff, uh, which made that kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy. You know, I've always been mostly a pro-metrics, analytics guy, pro-moneyball, whatever you want to say, but it has been a little frustrating to see, you know, I heavily criticized the Twins and Rocco Baldelli for it in their series, which feels like it was a year ago. Uh, against the Astros in the division series when pulling Jose Barrios after five innings, pull, pulling Kenta Maeda after five innings, we're still seeing some of that last night, Clayton Kershaw, who's, you know, the Nolan Ryan of this generation, practically uh, to see him removed in the sixth inning with 85 pitches. That, that that was upsetting to me. You know, it's kind of like how many teams are going to keep doing this? I mean, is this what we're doing now? Like, we're not going to allow, allow any pitchers to go through the lineup more than twice. Clayton Kershaw the guy who's won, you know, multiple Cy Young awards, MVP, just arguably the greatest pitcher of his generation. Now it worked out; the Dodgers won the game. Um, but that's been a little bit—I don't want to say frustrating—to see because, again, if that's the way the game's moving, that's the way the game's moving. But like I said, I thought that was a, a major part of the Twins not winning their series for the Astros, so that bugged me. But but other than that, um, like I said, it's it's been a really entertaining series. These appear to be two really evenly matched teams. Uh, it's just, and you know, the games have just been really good and it doesn't always work out that way. Um, and these are two teams that normally I wouldn't have a ton of interest in because, you know, I, I don't get to watch the Dodgers too often. And Tampa Bay is probably the most irrelevant team in major league baseball, frankly. Um, so that's been, you know, interesting, whatever, but it's been fun. And, uh, you know, I, I said to you on a couple of these podcasts that once the twins were done, I kind of lost interest and didn't really want to watch. But I think it just took a while maybe for the wounds to heal a little bit. And uh, last night's game was, was really entertaining. And uh, I can't wait to watch the last. I, I, hope, I hope it goes seven. And I want to watch all of them.
1: I think there's been one blowout, but the rest of them have been sensational. I believe it was yeah, Saturday night. Uh, it was a seven to six game. And <laughs> mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, the biggest fielding error in that kind of a moment in World Series since Bill Buckner in 86. Uh, well, I mean, there were two er- Yeah, there were two errors on one play. If I'm not recalling, this, the, the walk-off on Saturday night, right? The, the outfielder makes the error, and then the play at the plate. Um, so, and that's coming from the team that has the biggest payroll and the best lineup and probably the best rotation. Uh, this is reminding me a lot, though, both your style of what you're saying. The, both the Rays and the Dodgers have been doing pulling pitchers who are performing well early. Of the 2015 Royals, who just had that system down, we're going to have our sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning guys. Um, It worked out for Clayton Kershaw last night, but I agree with you. I mean, imagine Jack Morris with with Tom Kelly after what six innings and and five and two thirds. Are you kidding me? Um, Yeah, he wouldn't even. He refused to go out. uh, He refused to stay put after nine innings in uh, in '91. But I love Mookie Betts. He feels like a a healthy, beefed-up version of Byron Buxton, just playing. There was one particular. I, don't, I can't remember which game it was, but Mookie Betts' base running threat uh, earned the Dodgers a run. He just he stole both second and third, just getting in the head of a pitcher who I believe, had, I think that was Snell, who had just dominated until Mookie Betts got on base in like the fourth or fifth inning. That, to me, is fun baseball, station to station, uh, cat and mouse game. That's when baseball can get fun and not boring, and I can't wait for games six and seven. One... The last one I'll say, because you have mentioned the Dodgers, who you don't watch much of, and the Rays, who you think are irrelevant, we're both glad we ended up watching despite all that. Who are you cheering for? Because you've got, what, the highest payroll, the lowest payroll, or, you know, top five versus bottom five? For once Mm -hmm. in my I usually go for the underdog here, or the the lower payroll. Uh, I'm going for the Dodgers simply because I like Clay Shaw. I think he's a guy who's been dominant, and his team has failed him in past playoff games, and he takes too much heat. Uh, and I was glad to see him not be dominant and still win last night in a, in a critical game. I wish he would, I wish it would have been to close it out last night, so he would have been the guy who did it. Um, but you know, the, I, I guess the Dodgers I have some sympathy for because of the way they've fallen on their face in the playoffs so often. It's like the Braves all those years in the '90s, and they aren't as hateable as the Yankees were when the Yankees were buying their way to titles or, or World Series.
0: What about you? Uh, I'm rooting for the Dodgers, too, largely because Tampa Bay doesn't have any fans. No one's going to care when they win. Like, <laughs> I don't, why would I root for them? You know, so that 11 people in Florida can be excited. Uh, and then on top of that, it's I, I almost never root for the American League team because I'm jealous. You know, I, I've said this multiple times on <laughs> multiple formats, that I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, uh, I want to root for the team that knocked out my team. Like, no, it's... If my team can't win it, then I want it to be some team that never had anything to do with them. So I was rooting for the Astros to get beat immediately. I was disappointed they won another series. Um, you know, I, yeah, I want the Dodgers to win because they have nothing to do with the Twins, and I won't be as jealous as I would be if the Rays <laughs> won. Them.
1: It would make a lot more sense for them to win, yes. That would be infuriating because even the Royals came around and lapped the Minnesota Twins after... Oh being irrelevant uh, and out of it for 25 years. By the way, we started the podcast with the Kirby Puckett home run. I'm sure you and I have had this segment down memory lane a time or two on the old radio show on KWSN. But, uh, I mean, my memories of that World Series and of that Kirby Puckett home run – I was actually rooting for the Braves, my dad and uncle were Braves fans, and the Braves had been shitty for like 20 years ever since Hank Aaron retired, I think, at least throughout the 80s, and then all of a sudden they're good, and I also hated the Twins because at the time I was a Royals fan, and the Royals were coming off an 85 World Series, and then were bridesmaids to either the A's or the Twins for about six or seven years, and that's when I was most intensely into baseball and the Royals, so I hated the A's and the Twins, um, so that was a nightmare Kirby Puckett home run for me when I was more emotionally invested in all these things as a 12-year-old. I picked the side, and it pissed me off to watch Kirby hit that home run. I hated him. Uh, obviously, you were a Twins fan. What do you remember about... I, I, I know you've got some sort of funny perspective on that.
0: Um, I, mean, I just remember that... It's funny. I was 11 years old in 1991, and the Twins had only you know just won the World Series in 1987, just a few years earlier. And 1987 was like the first year I was old enough to watch professional sports and like understand it, like know the rules of the game, understand how it's played, you know, understand the concept of, okay, you take the starting pitcher out, you bring in the middle reliever, then the closer, you know, the left handers bad against the right, all all those sorts of things where I was finally like, okay, I'm, I'm uh, literate in baseball, but I was still only seven years old. And then four years later, I'm 11, watching the World Series again, and I distinctly remember thinking to myself as an 11-year-old, like, oh, I'm so glad that now I'm old enough to enjoy this. <laughs> and like I was, you know, an adult or something. And uh, so I remember the 90... 90- I remember them both, but I remember the 91 World Series much more vividly. Uh, almost every game I can point to specific plays and certain things that happened, and I remember the scores of almost all of them. And uh, I remember being much more worried when they fell behind 3-2 than I was in 1987. In 87, I just assumed that your dreams always came true. So if the Twins were behind 3-2, to two, don't worry, they'll win the last two. And they did. And then in 91, I was much more aware of the fact that they're not going to win just because I want them to. And uh, <laughs> you know, going into the late innings of Game 6, where Kirby ultimately hit that home run, I remember being nervous to the point of, of just being terrified. And uh, I was watching the game with my family in our basement, and I could tell my dad was really nervous too, we usually talked a lot during the games. There wasn't a lot of talking throughout this game. We were just both sitting there, just like I said, just terrified that they weren't going to win. Uh, and when he hit that home run, I just remember us, you know, jumping up and down in the living room and high-fiving and screaming and hollering. And, and then there was sort of a little bit of a sense of, okay, now we're going to win. And going into game seven – uh, I was very, very confident. I, I was not at all worried that they were going to win Game 7, uh, which, of course, they did to win the second World Series in the space of five years. I'm 11 years old. Baseball is my favorite thing in the world, and my favorite team has already won two World Series. I was like, this is easy. You know, I'm going to get to see 10 of these by the time I'm dead. And uh, obviously, as you mentioned at the top of the show, 29 years later, that's still the last time I saw any of my teams win a championship. And it's finally now starting to reach the point where like okay i'm kind of ready for another one of these you know you win two and you kind of think all right you know a lot a lot of people never get to see one you know i'm not going to complain about it and even when the vikings would lose i would think well you know at least i got to see the twins win a couple world series but 30 years later uh having not even seen the vikings play in a super bowl let alone win one and having not seen the you know now the twins losing 18 playoff games in a row and being good most years but never being able to do anything it's it kind of makes you a little more nostalgic for that 87-91 magic uh, than, than maybe I would have been 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, well, trust me, like just for the, the Royals and more so for the Chiefs because I'm more invested in the Chiefs. I mean, they won for the first time in my life after being kind of Vikings and Twins-style playoff losers for so many years, having good teams, get your hopes up, never quite has the horses or the quarterback to get you there. And it was I was miserable watching that Super Bowl against the Niners because they didn't play well the whole night. And of course, Mahomes had some magic late, and they won. It was more of a relief. That I, so I hope you, if the Vikings or Twins, I think we can chuckle at the at the Wild, but especially the Timberwolves ever getting there. Yeah. Uh, Probably not nearly the possibility of the Vikings and Twins having that happen sometime in our lives. I hope you enjoy it more than I did because for some reason it was miserable. Because I the whole night of that Super Bowl I was just thinking if they don't win this, <laughs> I was like yeah. we had so many years to get here and I know Mahomes has a lot of good years ahead of him, but uh, you know I've been i I've, I've been miserable and seen enough heartache for my whole life that I don't know if they're ever gonna get back and this could be it. Um, so enjoy the ride whenever it comes. And by the way, some people are wondering, Gaskins, Royals, Chiefs fan. for those of you who aren't familiar, I grew up in Omaha, so the Kansas City teams, like the Minneapolis teams for those of you here in Sioux Falls, were the closest teams, and those are who I rooted for, and yes, I became a Twins fan eventually because they're in the same, well, first of all, because I lived around here, you know, I just started living here and befriending people like Zim who are Twins fans and covering the team every day and found them to be likable and a lot like Kansas City, small market you know, all for one, one for all. And uh, so I'm kind of both a twins and a Royals fan. Usually they're not good at the same time. So (laughs) I pull who forever is good. And by the way, which brings me back to, I'm a little surprised you're not rooting for the Rays. I thought maybe you'd be rooting for the team in a kind of a market and situation more like the twins.
0: No, like I said, I'm, I'm always (laughs) very petty and jealous about that. I only want my small market team to win i don't want yeah. someone else's small market team to win yeah. if, a, if i if there was an american league team had to win the world series i'd want it to be the yankees they already won 30 of them wow. what's another one mean to me i don't care interesting
1: that's going against the grain there uh all right we have a couple quick topics uh before we're done with zimmer's portion he has to get to work i have to get to the gateway to talk to curtis riggs we'll do a lot more college football with him but that includes the trey lance vikings is he ready for the nfl discussion Uh, But a couple things we want to talk about. I I mean, I guess we could do three. There's not much to say about the Gophers because uh, Curtis will cover it. I watched the whole game. You didn't watch. I got to go, John.
0: Wrap this up. Okay,
1: fine. You want to do cars or Halloween here? It's up to you. All right. Uh, Halloween is coming up on Saturday night. Now, interesting, after we had our texting back and forth last night, my husband wants me to go to a Halloween party with him, with other adults at somebody else's house. He also wanted me to go to a, a, a Halloween party at a bar. By the way, the Gateway Lounge has a Halloween party coming up on Saturday. I'm sure that's going to be a blast. Um, I'm not sure if I want to go, but it's not because I don't want to dress up and have fun. In fact, that's a, re- that's, that's a reason for me. I am more likely to enjoy going to, say, a house party with other adults my age. And in this case, none who I know, these are all people my husband knows, I think it's more fun. I think Halloween at this age is fun because the costumes are ice breakers and it gets people out of their skin and maybe they're not as lame as they normally would be. But I know you've got a thing like both of us have against adults, against adult men wearing jerseys at the, you know, past the age of 18. Uh, You're, you're, you're down on Halloween for us,
0: for our age. How many times since like past the age of 13, would you say you've, dressed up for halloween
1: oh i mean i would estimate half the years it just depends on how up for it i am but i I, some years i really like the idea it's fun putting on a costume and being a character
0: i don't think i've dressed up for halloween since 1992 and i i do generally make fun of adults who do it i'm kind of i can kind of see it in your 20s going to bars part of it is you're just trying to get laid. You know, you're trying to hook up with somebody that looks hot in their costume or whatever. Yep. I don't think I ever did that. Maybe I did. I can't remember. Um, but once you're like an adult adult, like in your thirties or married or have kids or whatever, like grow the fuck up. Halloween's for kids. I don't do it. And I make fun of you and Gilbert every year when you get dressed up for Halloween. I get it. I get it. You're gay guys. You like to dress up, but I'm just saying like, I, no, it's not for me. Uh,
1: I can see where you're going with how it's more popular with the gay crowd, because it probably is the same way, I don't know, drag is. Uh, but these, I, I, there, there are... Has Gilbert
0: drags. ever dressed up in a male costume for Halloween?
1: Oh, good question. Uh, I don't
0: think he has.
1: <laughs> I doubt it. He usually, like... Well, Gilbert used to do drag. I mean, he used to...
0: That's what I'm saying, Like yeah. right? That's kind of, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, by the way, did you, you, uh, wait, I want to go back to college here. You, you never even in college, like college parties, same thing.
0: I don't think so. Okay. My, uh, my college buddies and I were, we were, pro, we were professional drinkers. It was about the alcohol more I, than anything else. So.
1: I, I did both. It was fun. I, I, uh, I did cross dress twice in college for, for what it's <laughs> worth. I was the chicken lady. <laughs> you remember the kids in the hall, the skit, the kids in the hall. Yep. yep, the, show? yep. the skit, yep. the chicken lady.
0: I don't think so. I remember oh the show. Oh my god, Mark remember.
1: McKinney. YouTube. Everyone go watch. Kids in the Hall. Mark McKinney. Chicken Lady. One of the funniest characters I've ever seen. But the problem was, so I did, so for Halloween I was the Chicken Lady, and it's literally what you would think it is. It's it's a it's a dude dressed up as a woman who's half woman half chicken, and hilarity ensues. And she's always kind of horny around hot guys, and uh, <laughs> and, and she accidentally has orgasms and her feathers fly over the place. Uh, really funny, but when. I don't know. Everybody else at the party has no idea what that character is. You just are a dude who's cross-dressing with, a, with a feathers and a beak. And um, you, you generally get ignored for most of the night is what I found. So if you're going to dress up for Halloween, maybe do it for a character people are familiar with. Just a tip, if you're still our age and still going out on Halloween. Uh, what was
0: your favorite costume you ever did as a kid when you went trick-or-treating?
1: An old man. There, I, there was <laughs> when I was about eleven. Uh, I, I, I was, I don't know, for some, My mom was usually pretty good at like being, unlike me, at being ahead of schedule, getting ready for things. But for some reason, I don't know. Uh, 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 either the night of Halloween for trick or treating, or the night before, I hadn't found a costume yet. We went to Target, and like everything was gone. Every costume was gone and I, I never liked doing the standard Superman, Batman, I never wanted to do what everybody else was doing, I wanted to stand uh-huh. out, and anyway, but like, slim Pickens, you know, in, in, the, in the Halloween aisle at Target, the, either the night of or the night before Halloween, and so all they had was an old man mask, it was, that's what it was, it was just a, <laughs> it was a, it was the face of an old man, and um, for some reason, I had an absolute blast with that because you know you could you could walk like an old man get a cane wear you know Uh ugly sweater ugly corduroy pants and uh, thus began my life of being eternally whatever age i am going on 80 and Uh like grumpy old men and grumpy old men being two of my favorite movies ever and my husband accusing me of constantly being an old guy
0: Eh, that did probably uh, inform some of who you are today. I can uh, but see
1: at the same time, I guess I'm immature because I still go to Halloween parties and, and dress up in costumes at our age.
0: That's because you're gay, not because you're immature.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. There are, so there, there are going to be a lot of straight people our age at these parties. They do exist.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs>
1: I'd love you to come along. You could think of a creative costume and have fun, <laughs> and you would get a lot of attention, and you would enjoy it. You would. You just got to put your mind to
0: it. Okay.
1: Come with us. You and Jen. I bet you Jen would have fun doing that.
0: I don't know. If maybe. Jen would Jen do uh, it? Would you do it? Uh, I don't know. I don't, know. Oh, don't 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 try to rope me in anything.
1: Uh, I will. That'll be that'll, that'll be my whole project this whole week. Uh, you got a new truck. We'll talk about that next week. Thank you for uh, making time in Wyoming. And uh, we'll, we'll see you live and in person, uh, well, of course, Saturday night at this Halloween party.
2: All right, all right. See ya.
1: So, Matt Zimmer's a scrooge when it comes to Halloween. Nobody is surprised by that whatsoever, but let's check in with Curtis Riggs. Who knows? He is the football genius of the Sioux Empire, an 11-time champion as the head coach of the Sioux Falls Storm over the last two decades, also quarterback of a national title team at USF, set all kinds of passing records there in the mid-'90s with Kalen DeBoer, who was his receiver. And, of course, Kalen went on to become the head coach, taking over for their head coach on that 96 title team, Bob Young, Curtis the quarterback's coach, Helped Kalen run the offense. All they did was go 69 and 3 and win three national championships in five years. And now Curtis has a college-aged kid in Peyton, and that's where my recorder started us talking. There, <laughs> we're asking Curtis if his son Peyton is into the Halloween thing.
2: Uh, my my son's gonna be you know 21 uh, next month, so he and I both have kind of turned away from. The
1: tradition of dressing up. We we thought, it, but we thought at that age when you're in college. He's in college, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't. You know, I don't I mean to be. I don't mean to embarrass you as a. But as a like that, I, there's kind of an uptick in costume Halloween. Halloween costume wearing when you're in college, you because would think it so, helps you get right now, laid. You yeah, wanna, yes, yeah. you're just trying to right go now the, it's,
2: it's, um <laughs> it's avoid the time. crowds. Yeah, avoid <laughs> yeah. the
1: crowds. I mean, uh, except at the Gateway yes. on Saturday night yes. for their Halloween. This will be the one time wearing. it's allowed. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we are watching Monday night football. They've got the sound of the game on. We got the Bears and the Rams going on. Uh, the Bears are an interesting study in crappy football with a good record at five and one. And and the Rams, I, I can't tell if McVay's a genius like we all thought he was two or three years ago, or or not. But it's a good it's a good game so far. Um, I, I, you know, there's we, there's a lot of places to go here. Uh, Zimmer and I spent uh, a while talking about Trey Lance and how NFL ready he is, and if he's what the Vikings want, because the Vikings really do want to uh, just feel like you got to move on from Cousins, even if you still have to pay him. That it's Justin Fields or it's Trey Lance because the Jets are probably going to get Trevor Lawrence. The, the Vikings probably aren't going to get the number one pick. They could trade up for it. They could also trade up for Fields or for Lance, both of who are top five or top ten guys by almost every draft expert. And I know, Curtis, by the way, have you ever worked with Trey Lance? No. No, you
2: know, my my son's the same age, so I I saw him growing up. I saw him, uh, his maturation over the years. And then I'm very close with the quarterback's coach at NDSU, Randy Hedberg. Um, You know, I would say he's not ready for the NFL, but he should go to the NFL. And I, I think he needs to go to a team where he does kind of sit a little bit and learn and um, the, the transitional speed is going to be a huge adjustment. Yeah, he was playing at NDSU, and that was really good football, but he, he still didn't get a lot of reps, and they protected him. They really put him in a bubble. You know, his year last year where he didn't throw an interception, there'd be a lot of games where he'd only throw 14 passes a game, and it was because they were so dominant in the trenches against who they're playing, and he never really had the, the bullets flying at him in the pocket having to make the quick decisions to throw someone open rather than throw when
1: they're wide open. Mm. And and you've got some of the best players in the country at every position on your offense and your defense. And then an Aaron Donald rushing you up front, too. It's, It's a weird dynamic because at Ohio State, we've seen so far Dwayne Haskins bomb in the NFL, and it's with a bad team where he's not very well protected by his line or by anything else. But Justin Fields plays at Ohio State. We had J.T. Barrett. I don't think I don't even know if he ever made it to the pros. I don't know if Braxton Miller ever did. There's something to be said, and Carson Wentz, I guess, because just because it's FCS, albeit North Dakota State, where they dominated when he was there. But a lot of the best quarterbacks we have right now in the NFL, a are of Trey Lance's ilk they're mobile, yeah. uh, they're athletic, yeah. they, they can make up for offensive line deficiencies. Offensive line play has never been worse because defensive front seven plays never been better. You, yeah. you don't have a bunch of fat guys. You have freakish athletes, and they get the quarterback. So you got to have a quarterback that can make things happen with yeah. their feet, running and throwing. Okay, we all know that because those are the best QBs right now. Rodgers is mobile and Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. Well, you know, you look at some of these best guys in the NFL, the best guys, Tom Brady's, like, the only one that went to a Power 5 school. That was 20 years ago. Uh, well, Russell, Russell Wilson
2: went to Wisconsin. I, I guess that's Power 5. I guess I'll, I'll restate this. Yeah. Like,
1: powerful Power 5. And Wisconsin's uh, Wisconsin. Close. they Didn't they play in the Rose Bowl they when did. he was a senior? Okay, yeah. fair point. But, like, Aaron Rodgers, Cal. Drew Brees, Purdue. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Power Tech. Power 5. Tech. Okay. I mean, what? where are you, like... <laughs>
2: getting the, the loose weight here? I mean, are we trimming the fat of, uh, I guess,
1: of power five? Yes, we are. <laughs> because because uh, uh, I'll go straight to, a, there's there's Ohio, we all know the last yeah. several years, it's Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and pretty much everybody else. Yeah. And so when you're at one of those schools where, and like like Trevor Lawrence is at one of those schools, yeah. and yet uh, no one's, no one's thinking he's going to be a bust. Um, so I'll yeah. reset the table. Like, when you're te- te- Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech you're not winning every game your defense stinks you have to escape the pocket and make plays I would assume Lamar Jackson probably gave probably made up for a lot of awards at Louisville yeah. um, but there was a lot of questions about Lamar
2: coming out okay. could he be a quarterback I mean that was a big question Yeah, and hey, I think it, you know if he's with New England mm-hmm. is he is good I think the Ravens did a phenomenal job of building a system around his strengths okay. I mean if he was going to um, even the Saints. You, you know, What are they doing? Are they changing their offense to fit him? I, and That's where the Ravens have been so good.
1: When we go back to Trey Lance at North Dakota yeah. State, is he in the top 10 of a lot of people's draft boards yeah. if it weren't for Carson Wentz? You that's know what I'm that's saying? a really good question. I, I think not only there Carson
2: a... Wentz, though, you got to look at Easton Stick, too, who's also sure. the backup for the Chargers yeah. right now. Um, you have to look at what they've done with the people they've had. I think um, he is an NFL quarterback. He is. He okay. is one. But I think there's going to be some time that he needs to learn. Yeah. If he just gets thrown out there right now, I don't think he would be like Justin Herbert, um, you know, and, unless he's in the right system. Would he be a better option than, say, Kirk Cousins? I, you know, I, I don't think so. I, I think he's got to learn a little bit about the speed of the game, the systems, the pass protection. He is a very intellectual kid, though. Yeah. Uh, he does put in the time. I mean, the coaches say he's all about the film room, but that's also what he learned from Easton Stick, because they said that was Easton's strength was okay. the amount of time he put in the
1: film room. Well, you know, Mel Kuyper says the athleticism, the leadership, the... Uh, poise. No. I mean, uh, going back uh, to that, May, that's I saw always it. the case when you win. Yeah. You know, when you win, I mean, <laughs>
2: that's the case. Yeah. I'm also hearing the BYU quarterback, though, is really pushing hard um, for Trey and Fields until Fields got the privilege of playing
1: against Nebraska this last week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's the deal is like, it's just hard to gauge when you're at Ohio State, it's hard to gauge. Yeah. And you don't want to go off total history, but like I said, the last few guys that have worked well for them, they had everything set up for them. When you've been in a place like Texas Tech um, or North Carolina State before Wilson was at Wisconsin, where you just kind of, sometimes you have to run for your life. Well, you're going to be able to run for your life better in the pros. Yeah. North Dakota State, you're not running for your life. Ohio State, you're not running for your life. So it's hard to gauge either of those two guys. Um, you know, that it's a really good point
2: because when you talk about Justin Fields against Nebraska this last week, when you see he was 22 of 23. 20 of 21, yeah. Yeah, 20 of 21. Yeah. It, I mean, really you're thinking, well, that's like seven on seven. Yeah. I mean, he had no pressure. Yeah. Maybe a couple plays he was pressured, but any quarterback that's throwing 20 of 21, he's dropping back, scanning the field. Making his reads and then deciding where to yes. throw. He's got yeah. guys who are better. It's not
1: realistic. Than the other team who are kind to getting open. Uh, but you know, for what's worth, Trey was nine and a half yards per attempt, so he could get he can get the Play ball. Play action. Back. He's got the ball. Play action. And he's got all day to do it. Yeah. Same thing at that level. They're just by far the best team. Okay, so what? So you're saying? But you say he is st- still, he is an NFL player. What makes him so good? Well, he's six four.
2: Very athletic. He start there. Has the arm strength to make about any throw. Yeah. The thing is, though, as you saw in this Central Arkansas game, the throws he was having to make that were NFL throws, he wasn't throwing like Aaron Rodgers talked about. The interception he threw for a touchdown in there two weeks ago, uh, I was one foot off on my throw, and that was the difference of an interception against Tampa Bay for a touchdown. Right. Trey Lance was throwing the guys that are wide open, yeah. wide open, okay. and still sometimes having an errant throw to it. So he's going to really have to learn so, on honing in on so that. So why is he top ten for everybody? Just Because of potential. Okay. I mean, the potential. Same as what you saw with Haskins. But then they started to learn that he, he's not a team guy, he's not a film guy, he's not a leader. The owner wanted him, the coach didn't want him. You
1: know, he's not buying into the system, and Rivera's just not putting up with it. Okay, fair enough. And it's not just, oh, he's only faced FCS competition. It's no, also. No, he he can play yeah. with any of the FBS or the NFL guys. He just has to adapt to that speed, and how long does that take? And I think Wentz opened that door, and yeah, I yes. think Carson Wentz's deficiencies have had a lot more to do with just injury yeah. and, and the, the way he
2: plays. The way he plays. He, he, the one thing you don't. You don't see Trey take the hits like Carson did. And I think that's because Trey is a better athlete than Carson. Um, I think Carson was a better, more polished quarterback at that time when he was coming out. But Trey is a better athlete. He's extremely
1: gifted. I know it's incumbent on which team takes him how good that team is, how good the well, I, offensive I, line or coaching is. But, like, who's, you're saying Trey has a chance to be a better NFL quarterback than Carson? I, I, I do. I, I think Trey – the good thing for Trey is he's the
2: third of the three quarterbacks coming out, which is good for him because the more he gets pushed back, the better the team is he's going to. I know the Patriots have been inquiring with the NDSU staff frequently. Mm. They would love to get Trey Lance. Um, it, you know, it's it's really about where he goes. If he goes to the Jets, well, then he's he's screwed. (laughs) You you know, I mean, and that's really the deal. We've seen great quarterbacks go to terrible teams, and that's the end of their career.
1: Why is he? But you said he's not ready. Is that simply because he's only played? Sixteen college yeah, games. that? It? I
2: mean, sixteen games, and he's throwing the guys that are wide open. Okay.
1: And most That's of the time, if you
2: look, they're play action passes. Yeah. Heavy off that yeah. power game. Let's drop back eight yards and okay. throw downfield.
1: So as usual, it's just kind of a crapshoot in the NFL. Yeah. You just it depends on the team, the system, the coach, the this right. and the that, um, and just I, I w- again I go back to some of the top guys in the game today. None of these guys only played 16 games or only played one full year. Carson Wentz had three years. Russell Wilson pretty much played four full seasons, a starter for three full seasons at two different schools. Aaron Rodgers, two full seasons at Cal. Uh, Trevor Lawrence will have ended up playing three years. And Justin where, Fields, two, two slash three look years. Look where Rodgers fell
2: to because of that very thing. I mean, people weren't sold on him. What do he go, 26? I yeah. mean, I remember it yeah. sitting yeah. in the green room. Yeah, right. um, yeah and, was it because and he, hadn't he, yeah, I, he hadn't played enough, or just because he had played a cow, or probably a little bit of both? Okay, but I mean, I think you and I both—if
1: we had to choose one of those—he would be that guy. Yeah. L- like Matt and I said earlier, we don't blame—and we don't blame Trey Lance for going early. Of course, you're—you yeah. know—strike all the irons hot with the money. Yep. And uh, you know, all kinds of things could happen. You could recede. You sticking around in college and. Your stock could drop, you could get hurt. Uh, I think in a perfect world, he's more like Jabril Cox where you just go for one year to the absolute highest level. The closest thing there is the NFL, the SEC. Just make sure you're that good and then go, that, that'd be the best thing for his development and his readiness for the NFL, oh, but
2: again... I, no, that would yeah,
0: be, be, be foolish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would,
1: that would be
2: Yeah, you're, you're saying in a perfect world yeah, for his Where development, he doesn't get hurt, yeah. yes. I, I mean, but it also would be where he would make more mistakes. I mean, he went the entire season last year without throwing your
1: interception. Right. Well, <laughs> Zimmer mentioned, like, it, it. yeah, 28 to 0. 28 touchdowns to 0 interceptions. You know, Zimmer mentioned the South Dakota State game. What he... He struggled. He wasn't that yep. good. Yeah, but he, you know he really
2: didn't have too much.
1: But if you want to factor that into how that projects you as an NFL quarterback, you know Peyton Manning looked like dog meat every time he played Florida, at Tennessee. <laughs> you know, so he he ended up
2: okay. so yeah. I, it, uh, But you look at the Central Arkansas game. I mean, a lot of people
1: were not impressed with okay. Trey in that game. Would you rather have Justin Fields or if you're the Vikings and you decide to move off of Cousins, Fields or? It, the one
2: question I would have of Fields is he's in shotgun every play. Okay. And then I would also question Haskins, Miller, I mean, all of those. Why? How come none of these guys are turning into yeah. an NFL quarterback? Yeah. I think you have to do the research and look at that.
1: So, it, it, so the school he goes to, the system he plays in, Capricorn Well, it, they have the in. best guys. Yeah, and of course. is it the system? I mean, you
2: look at it, who was the really big quarterback who's made it in the NFL but has been a third string most of the time. Um, he played one of the a national title. Braxton uh, Miller? No, it, it was. um Are you talking about Ohio State? Yeah. Ohio JT Barrett? Big, big kid. Before Barrett. Oh, uh, Miller, oh, oh uh, Cardell Jones. Yeah, Cardell Jones. James Jones, I mean, whatever. Same yeah. thing. Had a rocket arm.
1: But really, it was the system that allowed him to be successful. All right, Curtis Riggs is with us, head coach of the Sioux Falls Storm, the Riggs Football Academy. We're breaking down the NFL. Uh, it is nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, West Forty First Street. Okay, I want to. I'll skip right to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers since. They're now lighting the world on fire, and they crushed the Packers, and they crushed the Raiders, uh, and they crushed your Raiders. So I know you were watching closely and intently yesterday. Are they the best team in the NFL? They already had one of the best defenses, and now you got Brady, and now
2: the offense is humming. Um, you, you know, the game was 24-20 going into the fourth quarter. Okay. So let's hey. just make sure that's no. Hey, but the Raiders just it, beat the it, Chiefs. It was not a butt-kicking. Um, yeah. We were without both our starting safeties. Um, and without our big offensive tackle. They just can't seem to stay out there for more than one game. But uh, they're good. They're good. They're really good defensively. They force you into some turnovers. And then if they're going to be able to score and now get Antonio Brown, which they're going to have the best receiving core, um, they're going to be tough to match. I mean, they will. I think they're the best team in the NFC. I think the Chiefs can obviously match them scoring-wise, but I think the Tampa Bay defense is better than the Chiefs. Uh, So... SS Brady, I mean, I he did was He was very much like Justin Fields against Nebraska. He dropped back there. He was gauging the wind and the dome. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he was playing spades back there. I mean, yeah. he had all day yeah. to throw. I, there was no pressure. We couldn't get any pressure on him. And I don't know if it's the Raiders' defensive line is not very good. They were good against Kansas City, but they're not a very good defensive line. And the Chiefs or the Tampa Bay offensive line, I mean, really stymied him. Okay, so you're a believer in... ...because we went through that experiment in Oakland, but it seems like Tom Brady's very confident that he can ring him in. Um, the the one I would question, though, is how does Mike Evans feel about this whole thing? Because yeah. Mike, he, he didn't get many balls thrown this last week to him,
0: yeah. and now
2: you bring Antonio Brown
1: in, who's going to have balls mm-hmm. thrown to him. What is Mike thinking about this? All right. Uh, I was texting you yesterday during the Packers and Texans, which is just like watching a video game, it's like eating junk food, uh, you know it gives you no nutritional value but it tastes really good and, you know, Aaron Rodgers against the worst defense in the NFL that refused to double cover Devontae Adams, one of the top five receivers in the NFL so you got what you got, you got a video game and uh, you, you got some fun football to watch if you're a Packers fan or you know just enjoy watching Aaron Rodgers, But What's there derived from that? And then you go back to the way the Bucks stymied him, the way he totally just self-destructed once he had a couple of interceptions in a row, and there was nowhere to go. Like, there's nothing to really learn from the way he lit up the. Tactics. No, nothing.
2: I mean, it, it, Tampa Bay got consistent pressure on him. Uh, they did, and, and the Texans, it, it wasn't even, you couldn't even gauge if they could get pressure on them because they would hit Devontae Adams on an under route where <laughs> the ball was out of uh, Rogers' hands so fast and, yeah. and then
1: Adams could run for 15 yards after. Yeah. Okay, not much to learn there. What about uh, Browns, Bengals, Baker, and Joe Burrow? Anything you learned about those? That was, was great. Really that was a Burrow shootout. That was good. Too. There's a classic example: Power yeah. Five guy who had a lot of great stuff around him, and he's thriving on a bad team in the NFL. And, and he had a great offensive
2: coordinator in college, who's now doing a really good job at Carolina. Um, the, the only question with
1: Burrow will be: Can he survive? Can he can he make it through a season? Speaking of Carolina, would you have gone for that 65-yard field goal to tie with about two minutes left? You're no. near midfield. No. 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 Dallas no. made it. Yeah, But that, I, pretty much they lost the game because yeah, of that. I, I Two I don't minutes think left. I yeah, you're down so. by three. Okay. <laughs> That's like I watching
2: Arizona last night, watching um, Arizona try to lose that game. I couldn't believe when the coach it's second and 15 and they trot the field goal team out there and then they get a delay a game, he, he calls timeout, ices his kicker, they miss the field goal, and somehow get Russell Wilson to throw an interception to Isaiah Simmons, yeah. who played five plays the entire game. I mean, he hardly plays. They don't use their number one pick at all.
1: I, I mean, it's amazing. Okay, what, what did that game, what did that result say? For one, I would think you'd have to say... Okay. Yeah. Kyler Murray is one of the most fun players to watch in the NFL. He might have a bright future. Um, the Seahawks defense is really bad, though. I mean, and, and by the way, Cardinals defense screwing up Russell Wilson like nobody has been able to but, this year. But not until the end. I mean, okay. they didn't bring that blitz package until the end of the game,
2: and I think that's something we'll see more with them, where they walk seven up on the line and you don't know who's coming. Um, but I, I think you saw two great quarterbacks, though. So. Did this make you
1: more of a believer in the Cardinals or less of a believer in the Seahawks? Or I, I just think parity. pretty parody. much what
2: we think, yeah, that the Seahawks' defense is, is not good. Okay. And, and a quarterback like Kyler, though, is going to make a, even an average defense look bad the way he can run around. think
1: it's not going to work out for Cam in New England? No, no, he looked horrible. Yeah. and and it's his fundamentals. His fundamentals are terrible. And we thought they were going to improve, or they yeah, had been yeah. improving. That, in, that in the early, Josh McDaniel the, the
2: Seahawks game, looked good.
1: But the Seahawks have a terrible defense. They do. I guess You're that's right. what, I guess yeah. that was. That's what more of what that was in week two. Get your thoughts on week one Big Ten. A lot of Husker and Gopher fans around here, Hawkeye fans. Hawkeyes losing Purdue, it seemed like your typical Hawkeye game. Just It's close to the end. Maybe they win, maybe they don't, whatever. Um, start with the Gophers because they come off their best season in like most people's lives. And Now, yeah, they didn't have to play Ohio State last year. They, they didn't even have to play Michigan. They had that one big win over Penn State, who was a top-ten team and finished as one. And Auburn, a bona fide SEC team, you never quite know in those bowl games, who's up for it and who's not. Usually a team like Minnesota is more up for it. Right. But I thought Curtis, I mean, we we saw Michigan blow them out. It was like 49-27. There's no defense, and offensively, I think Tanner Morgan's throwing 6.3 yards per attempt. He's not getting it downfield. I thought, to me, it seems pretty simple. You don't have Tyler Johnson on offense, and you don't have Antoine Winfield on defense to clean up your messes. And now you have, to me, what looks like a Gopher football team. It's easy to overreact in week one, but this feels more like, okay, we're back to kind of Glenn Mason era. They're a nice team. They don't feel like a national powerhouse or threat.
2: Yeah, I I think um, the trouble is they they just can't match up with a team like Michigan or Ohio State in the trenches. Um, I mean, you look at even the skilled guys like Bateman, He looked like a guy, but could he do it all? No, he couldn't. And Mm -hmm. could they rely on him to do it all? No, they couldn't. Without Johnson on the other side? I mean, he could not be the sole guy out there because the Michigan defense is going to adjust. Um, but they just could not match up with them do they look like they'll go out and win games against Purdue Indiana Northwestern maybe but I could also see them losing those games too you know and, and that's where do they go on a run where they win a lot of close games or there's a difference maker in the game that is, is a big play against Iowa or um, uh, Northwestern or any of these schools um, yeah probably I mean that's where you see they could lose those
1: games just as well as they can win them. Mm like Iowa does every week yeah. because They'll have at Maryland, at Illinois. That gives you a chance to get everything settled down again. Those should be two wins. They'll have Iowa, which will be a coin flip game. Purdue, which might be a coin flip game. Athletically, they'll struggle to match up with Purdue. That coach has done a very good job recruiting speed. Jeff Brown.
2: I mean, he has done a really good job. You saw it last year, but they were so decimated by injuries. This year now, they have the guys healthy. They got their receiver to come back that was going to go pro. Um, They have guys that in space can make you look ridiculous. And that's one of the few things where a school like Ohio State able to do.
1: Sure. Uh, Minnesota does not have to play Ohio State again. Lucky for them. They don't have to play Penn State this year. They're at Wisconsin, who destroyed them last yeah. year, especially at the line of scrimmage. Northwestern and Nebraska at home. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they still have a shot to go 6-2. Well, and two. I think you're right, though. They have a shot to go 4-4, 3-5. It's a weird year when you only have eight games. And, uh it, 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 and to be fair, they had the right side of their offensive line out with COVID. Uh, kicker, punter, kickoff specialist. But come on. I mean, the well, Michigan still is going to outclass them. Yeah, And, and the, their defense is just – Minnesota's defense is, looks pretty bad. One, and just uh, I couldn't gauge if Michigan's quarterback
2: is that great of an athlete or was it just there's not great athletes on the Minnesota defense. I mean, you couldn't really tell. Yeah. Um, and then you saw the, the Michigan offensive line – I mean, creating massive holes at times for those running backs to run
1: through. Yeah. And by the way, I thought Michigan, this was supposed to be even like less of a normal year with Jim Harbaugh, which always falls way short of Ohio State. Like they're less of a behemoth in college football this year. This is supposed to be a rebuilding year. And they, I mean, they, that was a shredding from the beginning. Probably the biggest improvement at
2: quarterback that we've seen in, in quite a while. I mean, I think you said it off air where. I mean, they've had so many of the Jim Harbaugh 80-style quarterbacks, um, and and it's been a difference in the games. Everyone had Penn State as the team that would possibly um, compete against Ohio State. Well, they just lost to Indiana. I think Michigan is clearly the team that might have a chance against Ohio State. And then maybe someone else in, in those eight games might have a chance of catching them by surprise, but pretty doubtful. Ohio State looked pretty good.
1: We can get back to Indiana, who of course you st- probably still have a little sentiment yep. toward with Kalen yep. DeBoer having just left there. But okay, I'm going to take a I'm going to take a drink. Got my Oktoberfest here. I'll just I'll just settle on in here and take it uh, on the chin here. Nebraska, man, the most cynical. Husker fans and media. And believe it or not, they exist. I'm one of them. Um, I did not get a chance to see much after it was 14 apiece deep into the first half. At that point, I had to go to an event outdoors, a trick-or-treating event on Lake Lorraine at Harry Canary. And trust me, when I found out what happened to Nebraska at that point, I was happier to be doling out baby roots to 10-year-olds <laughs> in 25-degree wind chills than watching Nebraska you know, get flogged by Ohio State. But man, there are Husky people who say their lines actually look competitive. Their defense looks competitive. This wasn't getting the doors blown off them right after kickoff like Ohio State the last four or five times they played them. But the score was still 52-17. to A garbage cheap touchdown late. It would have been 45-17. Uh, you're not quite as rosy on what you saw. No, I,
2: I mean, I, I felt like first, Ohio State's coming off of COVID, just like everyone else. I mean, they, they still have to get used to playing an opponent. Yeah. And so you're going to have an opponent that's extremely motivated that Coach Frost is an intelligent guy. He's going to have those first 20 plays, very well scripted. These are what we do best. We're going to be sharp here at the beginning and then adapt from that. Well, that that adaptation for Nebraska is also going to be when Ohio State figures out okay, we're, we're just going to smash you down your throat and crush you now. And you saw it with Martinez as he started to try to make plays where instead of just going down, he would try to fight for more yards, fumble hmm. for a touchdown. Yep. And then just you just saw the deterioration happen quickly. And that is when a team is outmatched. That's when you see it. A team that's much better starts to make plays and the
1: team that's inferior just starts to give in and start to make more mistakes. What's, what's the line you used about first half, first halves, when you have kind of these mismatches of which you're very adept at being the coach of the storm for 20 years and having been at USF where almost every game was a molly whopping. Yeah. So in a team like Nebraska who is clearly the under, a 27-point underdog, but hey, their, their fans get really encouraged by hanging in there for a whole half. What's, what's the, the line the, you use? Well, the one thing
2: I, I said is... And the
1: final is the same final we
2: expected yeah, you, it to be. You,
1: you can't try to um, rationalize
2: about mediocrity here. I mean, any time you have a team that's a, a big underdog the first half usually is going to have that point of where it's feel each other out oh and now the better team is going to show up and crush you and we saw the same thing at USF all the time we would be watching film of door preparing and I would be asking Kalen can we start watching film morning Morningside you know we play them <laughs> next week and he would not allow it and I'm like Killen, we could run four plays, and we're going to win by 60 eventually. Yeah. Eventually, we're just going to wear them down, and we're going to yeah. crush them. And that's what you saw with Ohio State. Eventually, they're just going to wear you down, and you're going to start to make mistakes.
1: All right. I mean, for what it's worth, again, a, a, a really astute and objective, sharp-minded Husker writer pointed out Sam McEwen in his column. He was my editor in college. Uh, the Nebraska averaged... yards per play, third in the Big Ten of all Big Ten teams. That's against the Ohio State defense. Um, There's not a pass rusher there. You mentioned the turnovers. But, hey, uh, the offensive line wasn't bubbled backward like an overcooked pizza every play. And uh, the defensive line with three new starters held their ground. And the linebackers were, um, uh, you know, incredibly out of position like they usually are. So, I mean, how much better do you think Nebraska can get? There's nowhere to I, go I but up. Uh,
2: I I said to you, watching Ohio State play Nebraska was like watching Roosevelt play a good A team. breaks my heart. A triple A team playing a good A team. Roosevelt playing West Central. <laughs>
1: okay. West Central is going to be well-coached and go out there and do some decent things, but right. just cannot match the athletes. What about Nebraska-Minnesota, Nebraska-Iowa, Nebraska-Purdue, Nebraska-Wisconsin? Does Nebraska uh, look like a team that can make a little more hay? The, the one area, though, where Minnesota and Iowa will
2: be better is in the trenches. Okay. I and mean, they'll be better up front on both sides of the ball. I think they'll be more sound defensively, too. Um, the one thing that Scott Frost is very good at is doing the bells and whistles to gain an advantage offensively. But you just see as the game goes on, they start to figure that out. Yeah. And and so you can't take what was good at Central Florida and bring it in and, and do that consistently in the Big Ten. Yeah, better the athletes teams, there. Yeah, and the teams adjust, too. Yeah. Better
1: coaching. Okay, so, by the way, did you watch it deep enough? to see Luke McCaffrey take over the reins at quarterback? No, nope, okay, Because that's yeah. another big thing in Nebraska right now is yeah. maybe uh, they're, they're making the comparisons 20 years ago to Bobby Newcomb versus Eric Crouch. Like that was a competition yeah. and Crouch was the more dynamic guy and he got the nod and that's how people are feeling about I, I saw the
2: even before the game that yeah. is McCaffrey going to have a package here. I I think Martinez is is good. I think what he needs to learn, though, is when is there a good play and when is there a play to live to see another down. And, And that's the mistake he still
1: struggles with. He tries to make a great play every time. Yeah. Okay, overall quality. COVID era 2020, uh, major college football I, that we've seen for the last several weeks. Well, I, I think the Big Ten made college football a lot better.
2: Really? I, I think they came in
1: and were a lot
2: better than most people thought from top to bottom. I mean, I think when you look at Northwestern is down 3 nothing and they rattle off 45 points in a row, um, you have Purdue and Indiana beating Penn State and um, um uh, Iowa. Yeah, I, I think you see just there's there's a, a more competitive teams at all levels now, which is great for the Big Ten, and I think it makes every game so much more important. I, I saw something that Purdue win-loss record for vegas is is three and a half games
1: three and a half eight. games and i eight.
2: i cannot believe that penn state was one of those games they thought they would win you know and they probably play maryland and illinois and yeah. then indiana's their big rival um but i i think if you look top to bottom of the big 10 everyone's excited they're in because you look okay. at wisconsin now covid though, has already hit wisconsin because the quarterback tested positive, yes. and if he tests positive again, gives Nebraska a chance. I, I, and in the Big Ten, it's 21 Wisconsin,
1: days. it's 21 days in the Big Ten. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so that's going to affect a lot of teams. Yeah, and, and Husker fans are hanging their hat more. Yeah. Uh, and, it, uh, and the Westconsin defense,
2: though, is the biggest issue for Nebraska. I mean, that's always been. I mean, it doesn't matter if
1: you can't score. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Does Indiana, and I know you're a little impartial to Indiana because Kalen DeBoer went in there and they had, what, the second or third best offense in the Big Ten? His one year he was there, and that's why he's the head coach at Fresno this year. Of course, the former USF coach who was your wide out in college for a national title and your head coach when you were the quarterback's coach for three years, three national title teams. but are they really that good? Penn State had well, a bad day? I, it was, so I, I know the turnover margin had a lot to do with this yeah, result. I, it,
2: it was kind of like the Iowa game. Penn State and Iowa both statistically dominated the games, but Purdue and Indiana could get the ball in the end zone. Indiana's got Pennix at quarterback, yeah. very athletic. He's like a Trey Lance in the Big Ten. Okay. And then they have Scott at tailback, who is an NFL tailback. All right. Yeah. A lot of other schools can't match that. Not even Penn State couldn't match that. It's just can you get the ball in the end zone? And Penn State, for whatever reason, couldn't do it. Penn State was a much better team. They should have won the game.
1: Uh, by the way, the winning play was that. Uh, was that. Was that, did that
2: make it? I, I thought it was down. I thought yeah. the ball hit the ground first, but I mean, it's so close. The, the, where Indiana should game, right? It's
1: about getting it across. Yeah. The,
2: yeah. Like the yeah. very first right. centimeter. Right. Like the ball of the, hits the ground, and he loses control, but it's so hard to overrule. Where Indiana should the game, though, was when they squid kick. Yeah. Penn State recovers, and,
1: and then they miss the field goal. I guess I should feel good as a Husker fan that Indiana's not on the schedule. That's yeah. that's one. <laughs> Those are tough losses. I, I know when
2: Indiana last year went down and, and, and
1: beat them. I was there.
2: Yes, people are like, we're losing to Indiana? Yeah. Isn't yeah. that a basketball school? Yeah. I mean,
1: isn't Bobby Knight throwing chairs right yeah. now? But, and, and did Fresno just play their first game
2: for they Taylor? They did. They How played a White. They lost to yeah. White. Okay. Um, he, you know, it's it's you could see it coming. Yeah. I mean, Fresno had five practices, five padded new practices. New head coach, new system. Had COVID. New, new system, yeah. um, new defense. Yeah. Hawaii was good though. They yeah. Hawaii is like the Purdue of the Mountain West. They have speed all over the field. Yeah. But you could tell one team that had been practicing a long time yeah. and one that was just starting to fill it out. New quarterback. Quarter. He's a transfer from Washington. He needs some work. Uh, he's a little turnover prone. They were up 7 nothing. He misses a wide-open touchdown, and he ends up throwing an interception. Okay. Hawaii goes down, ties the
1: game, and then it was a battle from then on. I mean, he's inheriting a good program, obviously. Um, how's, how's he liking it? Like, what insight can you give to his early he, months on he, the job? You know, and what, he, the tough part, what he's that, dealing with. Yeah, that people don't realize. He spends every waking moment
2: with COVID. Everything is a COVID issue. Like, he gets so little time to actually coach or address coaching things. It's all COVID. Everything is COVID. Uh, Precautionary measures, testing measures, what are we doing after the game, how are the guys getting their meals. I mean, it's how do we do interviews, travel, how are we doing this equipment, spacing the guys out in practice, 15-minute rotations or less of of stations. I mean, it's, it's dominant. And I'm sure it's the same for all the head coaches. But when you have a new staff, you want to oversee and make sure you, they're doing the things you want. You really have no time for that. Wow, sounds like a
1: blast. Yeah, <laughs> I hope they pay him well. Uh, Curtis, appreciate your time as always. Thanks By for the way, having me. You had the uh, you had the beef chizlick again, so you must like it here it at the Gateway.
2: It was good. Yeah. Uh, someday maybe I'll see this other guy you have on this show. You, that'd be good, yes. If he could show his face for once. If he yeah. makes it back from Wyoming. That's so, right. Yeah. How, how hard is it to make it back from Wyoming? Well, <laughs> there's not many can. You I mean, <laughs> make it in, and there's even fewer number that make it out. I, why don't you go
1: back there very often? What, uh, what, it's why the you... least
2: populated state for a reason. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just a uh, lot of sagebrush, a lot of wind, a lot of cold weather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the mountains are good, but you get up there not very
1: often. Well, we're glad you're here. Yeah. We're glad you're at the gateway tonight. Thank you, yeah. Curtis Rick pleasure. Nobody's listening anyway with Matt Zimmer back here presumably if he makes it back from Wyoming next week. Thank you and good night.